The Upland Nomads are brought to you by Kuga Vest, a vest that provides serious protection for your dog. Fit and Fetch Outdoors, a CBD dog chew that is made to improve performance and decrease any unwanted stress on your dog's body. We are also brought to you by Mossy Oak Sport Dog, a line of products meant to keep your canine clean and clean smelling. Welcome to the Upland Nomads Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Upland Nomads Podcast. I'm here joined always by my buddy Michael, and today we got Joe. And Joe, I'm not even going to try to pronounce your last name because I'm going to butcher it. <laughs> it's less. <laughs> I say, I see. I would have. I would have probably butchered it. <laughs> Many people do. The German. It is German. Yeah. Oh, see? Yeah. <laughs> so Joe, Joe is from Northwest Minnesota. He's joining us from, and Joe, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, it's kind of cool that uh, I get to be on a podcast with a couple guys from North Dakota because that's where I actually grew, was born and raised. <clears throat> Central North Dakota on a little farm in between uh, Esmond and Harvey, North Dakota. My parents had a small beef cattle operation. My dad worked for the railroad, so ran some cattle, made hay. In 1990, I moved to Thief River Falls and uh, went to two years at aviation maintenance technology school. Well, by the time I got out, that industry was kind of flooded. There wasn't any good jobs left. I had Previously worked at Articat at night and took a job with them in their watercraft division. And I spent about 30 years there. When I left, I was a senior manufacturing engineer for their snowmobile division. And uh, just this spring, well, last spring, late spring, I moved to Central Boiler Altos of Greenbush and Red Lake Falls. Took on a new project for their Altos zero turn lawnmowers, built a new factory in Red Lake Falls, and putting that together. I drove tow truck part-time for 15 years. I still work part-time at Tractor Supply right now. Summertime, I'm out shooting sporting clays or skeet or five stand. We've got a local club here that I'm actually on the board and kind of set up the course and make sure everything keeps running. It's kind of fun trying to set targets and figure out how to make people miss and irritate them a little bit. Yeah. So you you we did the opposite of us. So we we grew up in northwest Minnesota and we moved to North Dakota. <laughs> well, you went the right way for the financial part of it. <laughs> the financial part of it, yeah. Yeah. I'd say the upland opportunities are I'd say they're probably close to the same. Yeah. They're kind of equal. Rough rough grouse is gonna be way better on, on your side of things. I'd say sharp tail probably about fifty fifty, toss up around where I'm at. Yeah, probably about equal. But the hunting pressure is hardly any, so that's nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I heard you say you drove tro- uh, tow truck here for a little bit. So I got to ask a question. Sure. When we got stuck on this road we were talking about before we started recording. We called the tow truck company, and the guy was like, uh, no, no wrecker is going to touch that. So if you were, if we were down a minimal maintenance road with just a little bit of small drift, but then just one big one that we got stuck in, would you have driven down that road to rescue some pheasant hunters? <laughs> I've uh, 
I've been some places I probably shouldn't have been, and I've strung a lot of cable and chain to get to places. I, I think in one spot I had over 400 feet of cable and chain out to get to somebody once. Oh, yeah, wow. We needed a, you needed a couple hundred feet. <laughs> yeah. We were thinking about going back into town and, what, buying like 200 feet of tow ropes to try to connect to Wyatt's pickup to pull the pickup out? You're like, oh, no, that's just not going to work. It was not going to work. No, pulling in snow with another vehicle doesn't work real good you got to have that wind <laughs> and, then, and an anchor <clears throat> luckily we were able to find a farmer and he came and snow blew out the road all the way up to our buddy's truck and was oh, able to yank him out but then he had it in park and didn't realize it so he wasn't really helping the situation out either so <laughs> he had the parking brake on so it was fighting the tractor and was trying to pull it out <laughs> i don't know i don't know why he put the parking brake on anyway i don't think the truck wasn't going anywhere it was up to the frame damn me <laughs> Jeez. Oh, that thing was, it was bottomed up. That thing was hot yeah. centered. It was stuck. Yeah. So then tried a couple farmers, but they didn't. Uh, one guy didn't have the equipment to do it, and wasn't actually a farmer. But then when I went to the other farmer, he wasn't old. So one was in Florida. Yeah. Said he would help, but he was on vacation. So you know, yep. at least he said he would. I found out he was on vacation for the whole winter, so he wasn't coming back anytime soon. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> But apparently we're supposed to ask next year to hunt his property because it's very nice. Oh, really? Yeah. The bar hmm. the bar, bar owner said that. And the other guy we asked for that had like the shit pile of pheasants everywhere. Yeah. That we knocked on his door. Yeah. Apparently he lets everybody hunt too. But we ask him. Hmm. Yeah. But we can't get a It's hard to get a hold of. Is that the uh, big I know farmer? Big cattle farmer? Yeah. Yeah. I had to make a two-mile walk once in late, uh, I think it was late November, early December. That was when it was a wet year down there, and there was water across this uh, no-maintenance road, we'll call it. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, wow, we can... I got out, I looked at it, I said, as long as I stay on the high spots, I think we'll be okay. Yep. And I slipped off the high spot and broke through the ice and high-centered. There we sat oh. in about a foot and a half of water. No. so yeah i made a walk but yeah he came around his wife gave me a ride back and he drove through the field pulled me out gave him a little cash and okay. off we went <laughs> joe what we're just uh we'll get into some of your hunting stuff here and what type of dogs do you all run i know you have a few yeah right now i have uh three labs um they're kind of a pointing genetics so they're they're smaller labs. They're about 60 to 65 pounds, a little bit lighter coats on them, different looking tails too than a normal lab. They're a little bit shorter and they seem to be, you know, a little higher, but, uh, yeah, I got one that's, she'll be 11 in April. I got one that's going to be six in May and one that's going to be two. Can you hunt all three together or all? When I'm by myself and if I'm in heavy, like cattail stuff, I'll probably put them all three down, but it's a lot to keep an eye on. <laughs> right. Even if you're my girlfriend, Kim and I, we go out a lot. I'll put them down then, you know, so we got more coverage, especially if you put a bird down in the cattails, it's nice to have more than one nose in there, you know? Right. So I feel you with the three, I got two and it's like, holy crap. Lucky I have GPS and I'm able to look at Okay, he's here. Okay, why is the puppy 150 yards behind me now? 
right. I said, otherwise I rotate them most of the time, you know, I'll maybe run two together, depending on how long of a trip, it might be one at a time. Or if I'm hunting with somebody else that has dogs, you no, know, try and save dog power. I said, when you're out to Montana, do you just hunt one at a time for dog power wise or? Yeah, most of the time in the, in the mornings when it's cool, I might take a couple out, you know, and let them run for a while and then put one away and let it rest and. I say, do you mainly just upland hunt then, or do you waterfall a little bit too? I haven't. Uh, well, last spring I was on a snow goose hunt, but I'll waterfall waterfall hunt if uh, somebody invites me and they got a, a hot tip and a good setup. But yeah, I, mean, I grew up in North Dakota, and that's that's what I got started on with waterfall. But yeah, not so much anymore. I'm pretty much ninety nine percent upland. So when you started out waterfall hunting you said when you were younger was it geese and ducks mainly geese mainly ducks mostly ducks we did a lot of uh i'll say puddle puddle jumping and find a good slew hole and we actually had one spot where there was two slew holes and there was high ground with some trees and brush in between and we kind of just keep pushing them back and forth but snow geese when the snow geese came through we'd get in on that i can we made decoys out of you know the plastic grocery bags and uh, <laughs> cardboard paper you cut it out in the shape of a heart curl it around and staple it twice and put it on a last that was our snow goose decoy back in the well it have been mid to late 80s <laughs> but we shot them they weren't so smart back then let's say were they as rampant as they are now still or oh yeah worse? there was a lot around when i was a kid there was a lot more ducks i thought i think I think that flyways kind of migrated a little bit east. I think there's a lot more hunting pressure around your area too. Last, oh, there's a ton of hunting pressure back there. That's like because that's all we noticed too when we were by Harvey because it was like not too far into out of staters being able to come duck hunt. Yeah, a lot of Wisconsin and Minnesota plates around. Yeah, we met a few Wisconsin guys. They've been coming there for like thirty years to Harvey. Yeah. They didn't last very long. Hunting wasn't that great around there. Yeah, you kind of had to work to find the spots almost. Yeah. Yeah. So, Joel, uh, I was kind of start, got started about what's your hunting background, where you got started. What did, when did the upland addiction start? Well, my dad, he first he first got me kind of into hunting when I was a kid. We had a single shot 20 gauge that I used to go out and shoot doves with. That was kind of my wing shooting when I was younger and then kind of started hanging out with some buddies in high school. That's when I got into my waterfall. Didn't have a hunting dog. We had farm dogs when I was a kid. Never really had a hunting dog. So I, uh, I can still remember my first upland bird I shot outside of a morning dove. I was walking back in the hills, just wandering around. Bird got up. I'm like, oh, prairie chicken. Knocked it down, went and found it just happy i was probably like 14 15 took it home and i showed my dad and he goes where'd you get that so back over there in the hills he goes anybody see you i'm like no that's a hen pheasant i'm like i thought it was that's how much i knew about upland hunting back in the probably early 80s so yeah then i you know when i moved to thief river in 1990 and went to college I went back and deer hunt a little bit, but that got kind of expensive after I lost my 
reciprocity. So I kind of gave that up. Kind of didn't hunt much until my late late 20s, I would say. And I got uh, I got a dog from a guy I worked with. It was a lab lab, probably blue healer. Not even sure. It was a trailer court accident. He, it was a dog. <laughs> so I had a dog, and he said, "Hey, you want to go pheasant hunting?" Uh, yeah, sure. I've never been. So we went over by Bismarck. He had some relatives. Did some hunting, and I just had a blast. Kind of got hooked and started shooting some clays with some guys and another guy at work. He invited me down to South Dakota. That would have been in like 2002, I suppose. He owned the house that I had now owned down there in Yale, South Dakota. That's kind of what kicked it off for me. I went down there and started hunting pheasants with him five to 10 days a year. Then I started kicking around here at sharp tails. Back home, I realized there was quite a bit of sharp tails around there and partridge just kind of lit a fire and just kept building, I guess. But I got, I'd say I got really serious probably about 15 years ago. Started hitting her pretty, pretty regular. So you hunt quite a few days a year. How many days do you think you hunt a year? I'd say the last three years, I'm probably averaging 50 days a year. That's I mean, that, it might not be a full day, but if I go out after work and hunt for an hour or two, I count that as a day. Right, me too. If we get done early or something and hit up a piece of public land right by town. Yeah. 2021, I think I had 62 days in the book. I say, we're not touching Tyler. No. He's he's, uh, he's got a pretty good gig there. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could find 150 days out of the year. Man, that would be something, wouldn't it? Right. Well, this year, he had done to wait. No, because I think he just posted the other day on his Instagram page how many days he hunted. Because even... He was short. He was talking about in one of his last podcasts. He was talking about going to Kansas or something to try and get two more days in so he could make his 150 days. Yeah, it was like 148 or something like that, which yeah. is still a lot. Yeah, this when year he's, when he's 42, maybe 42 days. New job, weather kind of shortened some stuff up this year, too, a little bit here and there. Yeah, because you were supposed to go out to Montana about the same time we were, but you guys went later, I think. Yeah. We normally go that first weekend, you know, when it opens up, get the, get the easy birds to call them. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got some easy birds. It was, it was a good trip. There's a lot of people didn't see anybody else out hunting. So I don't know if a lot of people hunt private or. It's just so, there's just so much land out there that people spread out. You know, right. You hardly ever pull up to a spot there and there's, oh, there's already somebody here, you know, it's like, right. that hardly ever happens. I think it was like maybe one spot, Michael, that we pulled up and we're like, we weren't going to hunt. We weren't planning on hunting that spot anyway, but okay, we're driving by it, just looking at it. There's one group of hunters out there. Yeah. Other than that, the only other hunters we really saw were driving around. Well, maybe two other groups we saw driving around. That's about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or at the sign in boxes. Yeah. We, even we were like looking at the sign in boxes too to see if there was like a bunch of uh, ripped cards, but they couldn't see it or not. If there was, I so say some me, of the places you could tell that we were like the first ones there. So it took me about, uh, at least I don't know how many years we were going out there before. We actually we printed up custom labels. I think that's yeah. your name, address, telephone number, your vehicle license, all that stuff. We just stick it on there fill in the date and sign it right that's a smart 
I say it takes a little bit, especially when you got like four guys, you get all for sign in. Yeah. There's only got one but, pencil that has lead and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily I had one in my truck. I had yep. pen in my truck. But that's the only drawback to that, but the, some of the tracks were pretty dang good. Yeah, it was probably the best year we've ever had going to Montana. It was unbelievable. I've never, ever, ever been done with sharp tails by like 8.30 in the morning. And, and that was a brand new piece of ground I had never saw before. Really? Wow. And I'm glad we got there when we did because we were probably six minutes into our walk and there was vehicles coming from all directions. I'm like, yeah, I'm glad we got here when we did. Yeah. It's always nice when you do that. But then if you're in Minnesota, peasant hunting, they just pull in and hunt right next to you. So <laughs> down south. Yeah, we had a similar issue like that in South Dakota this fall. I had a conversation with the with the people and they saw it my way and we've been there for an hour before season watching birds move around. They pulled up right in between us and parked in a parking area and we were parked on the corners, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we had a conversation and they went to the other end and I said, that's fine. Perfect. Well, especially like we, the place we were at, it was, it was a whole section. But it was like a whole section wide by many sections long. And it was us on one corner and then there was another truck on the other corner and they pulled up 200 yards away from us and got out i thought maybe they're gonna walk down the road a little farther no started walking right at us i was like really i was like where do you think i was gonna walk to i had to turn around and come back to my pickup minnesota's been really busy the last it's going going on uh thanksgiving weekend is not the time to do it either but no it's like their no, second opener. Like the second week, second or third week in the deer season over here. Because then a lot of people are still still deer hunting. And yeah, that's tough too, because Minnesota is deer hunting crazy in that state. So they're mostly up north, so not a lot of guys down there in that in the no, ground. Because they gotta hunt with for one, they gotta hunt with the shotgun. <laughs> I think the Minnesota River Valley gets hit pretty good, but there ain't nothing wrong with hunting with a shotgun. No, that's why I, I grew up on deer. Me too. And Joey probably never got to hunt because he had to put it in every. No, we got nope. we got lucky. Back when I was a kid, we were in two K two, and that was like one of the most licenses they gave out back then. Oh really? Yeah, I shot I shot my first deer with a thirty thirty open sight. I actually got to post, and I, <laughs> I shot her right in the forehead. I must have. I was aiming for the chest. She was coming right at me. I must have pulled a little bit, but she flipped over backwards, and there she laid. I shot my first doe with the thirty thirty open sights that my great grandpa notched his all his deer kills on the sock. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, nice. So we've talked about kind of a few of the states that you've hunted before: North Dakota, Minnesota, Montana. What all states do you? hunt in a year usually well kind of a a standard year is you know we start in montana for the opener over there for four days normally depends on when the the first falls in regards to you know in relation to uh, labor day try and make use of the holiday but then i'll hit north dakota for the north dakota upland 
that'll be like the following week. And then I can be back in Minnesota the following weekend. Normally it's staggered. So I can do three openers back to back. And then uh, South Dakota, I'll make it down there for, uh, been doing a prairie grouse hunt in the national grassland south of Pierre for three or four years now. And that's pretty fun. We started staying in a motel the first time, but now we're, uh, we've been camping, actually camping out of a buddy's horse trailer. And <laughs> that works. That works pretty decent. The guy that owns it gets the uh, living quarters up front, and then a couple of us are in the back in cots. So it works. So some of those horse trailers are pretty dang nice. But that's kind of my normal season. Um, back in 2018, I put on a lot of miles. I made it to, uh, went out to Wyoming by myself and got a couple sage grouse out there. That was pretty fun. Let's say I do ever sage grouse in uh, uh, Montana then when you go? I have not. I think you got to get quite a bit farther south than where we're at. Okay. So I just don't want to deal with snakes on there either. So. No, I'm not much of a fan of snakes either. And I had a, I had a pretty close encounter two years ago out in the grasslands. Middle of the day, about 70-some degrees, a little windy. We were walking with the wind. And... Uh, kept hearing this sound i stopped and i was watching my dogs and he, it's like the what is it the cicada it's yeah. you kind of hear and it's like well, it seems odd you know for the middle of the day and i took a few steps and it kind of got louder and i stopped again well now my dogs are coming back into the wind geez it's really getting loud now and i looked over to my right and it was no more than five yards away already sitting there coiled up rattling i'm like holy i looked at my dogs they were coming straight to it they must have smelled it and i just hollered top of my lungs and i hit the button at the same time i said leave it and they both curled and they came over to me like what did we do what did we do and the hair stood up on the back of my neck and we got the hell out of there <laughs> Jeez. i thought about shooting it but then i'm like ah, if you don't kill it you know don't blow its head off the dang thing can still strike them you know because they don't die right away yeah and it was in thin high grass i'm like what hmm. what's it doing in the grass normally they're like prairie dog towns or you know hills or rocks where there's not a whole lot of cover yeah and last year i shot one on the on the trail on the road when we were driving and i saw like it. I, are they big or uh that one the first one i saw was bigger than the one i shot last year the one i shot last year was pretty small but that was the same year when I was driving home from Pier. Travis Frank was on that episode of the Flush podcast where yeah. him and I went out and that dog got struck by one right away. Yeah, the Gordon, oh. et cetera. Yeah. I was like, what are the odds of that? <laughs> right. I said, so I was on the, the ambulance camp. I vaccinated now. I started doing that last year. I got him the vaccine, whether it, whether it works or not, if it gives me an extra half hour, 45 minutes to get him to a vet. Right. The shots are cheap. Oh, really? They're it's only like know. 13 bucks, and you got to do one shot and then a booster and then a booster every year. Oh, really? The, the shot itself is nothing, but... I have to check that out next time. I know, it was that it was that episode of The Flush that I watched that when we talked about going to Montana the first time, I was like, all right, search up closest vets that have anti-venom Near where we're going, 
<laughs> I was buying, the, I was online researching all these uh, dog med kits. I'm like, all right, what do I need just in case she gets uh, bit by a snake? I don't know. That's how I called the vets, and the vets like, uh, yeah, I have never had to deal with a rattlesnake bite up here. No, yeah, that he's like uh, northeast corner is pretty safe, I think. Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, I, we didn't. Well, knock on wood, we didn't see any when we were out at all. I, don't, mm-hmm. I guess I didn't when we were walking. No, I've never seen one on the road. I've never seen one walking, and we've covered a lot of ground out there in right. 12, fifteen years. I was saying it wasn't. Like it was cool last year. When no, we walked some of the places. It was, she was hot. Ironically, should, I think I have a better chance of seeing a rattlesnake around where I live. Because what about forty-five minutes southeast of uh, Bismarck? They have what is a giant rattlesnake den that they all come to in the spring or something like that. Yeah, uh, where's that by? Yeah, so I don't, it was on the news. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm not going down there. <laughs> I have them on the east side of the Missouri River too. Now it's. They're not supposed to be on the east side. Yeah. Yeah, that's not cool. <laughs> but, I'd probably scream. Oh, I would. You'd be yeah. like, do we bring a woman with us? No, it'd, it'd be, be me, me and you'd see me running. Um, I bought a I'm pair sure. of... I must have put them away. I, got a, I bought a pair of gators. Actual snake gators, and I wore them this year. When we were in pier when it was so warm. Yeah. Especially when I saw a dead one on the road right by where we were going to hunt. I'm like, yeah, I'm putting them on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not even worried about myself for it. I hate snakes. So I'm not like so much worried about myself. It's my dog. It's because it's like they're up, you know, fifty, hundred yards out in front of you or more, and it's like, well, I don't know what they're getting into. Right. I'm lucky that none of my dogs are aggressive. One's had a one's had a porcupine encounter, and it was probably only about twenty quills. So one's had a raccoon encounter. That's about it. Raccoon. That was by Harvey, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it went on point, but it wasn't like a. wasn't like it was a. I was like, yeah, I don't think it's a bird or anything, but no. Opened up the grass. Here was a raccoon. Yeah, I don't know if my. I don't know if Willow would uh, go after any snakes either. I think the one time it was just me and her out hunting. She was running through the cattails. She was like five feet in front of me. And there was a little field mouse. Went screwing in front of her, <laughs> and she got scared and jumped up towards me. I'm like, oh, geez. Well, at least you know if it's something that bigger that could hurt you, then you'd be scared of it. But right, the only thing that made my hair stand up worse than that rattlesnake was this fall when I uh, when I got my first close encounter with a timber wolf. Oh yeah, I was out on some uh, state land between Saint Hilaire and Grand Forks. It was during deer season. I waited till like eleven o'clock, and I went out pushing some brush where I'd seen some birds earlier in the year. The whole way out there, my dogs were acting kind of weird. They'd stop, and it was like they were smelling where something had pissed, but they were, like, totally unsure. They were, like, cautious and just acting weird. I was watching them go through these willows, and they'd go for a ways, and they'd lift their head up, and they'd look around, and then they'd go for a ways, and they'd both stop, and they looked around. Well, the last time I stopped, I looked to the in front of them, and that's when I saw them big old timber wolf just standing there so i beat my dogs they were coming to me and uh, i was watching them he stood there and he was watching the dogs he was watching me and i hollered i said hey and he took one step towards me he got a warning shot fired across the top of his head 
I said, I'm not screwing around. You want to come over here? Yeah. He I'd took off. Like there was two deer hunters sitting on the west side of that property, probably a mile away. I'm pretty sure he ran right through where those guys were at. Yeah, that wouldn't be very cool either. I've never seen one in the woods, but yeah, right out in the kind of a prairie, lowland, brushy, you know, sharp tail stuff. Yeah, that'll so make get, your hair stand up. Is that just a so lone or two, just all by himself? You didn't see any other sign of other ones? No. That's crazy what those lone ones, how far they can travel. That's what I was wondering too, you know, well, I saw one, so now I'm, I'm backing out of the brush and I'm looking around me, I'm like, is there more of them going to come around <laughs> from the other side or start counting shells in your pocket? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I follow this uh, Facebook page or I'm a part of this Facebook page, it's like Voyager's Park or something like that. And the wolf packs oh, up huh. in northern Minnesota, I think it is. And they yeah, had some stat about this lone male wolf that traveled into North Dakota in the last year and then all the way across Gosh. to the eastern side of Minnesota and then back up. I'm like, oh, yeah, that crazy. one got shut up in like Alberta or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. It was a yeah. long range. Well, that's like two of the mountain lions when they release them or put the collar on how far those suckers go. Yeah. But Joe, getting it. So you're talking about Minnesota bird hunting. I uh, say so you live in the what they would probably call no pheasant area. In the, they don't even list it on the Minnesota pheasant uh, report. Nope. I <laughs> say so there is pheasants around there. I'll attest to that. Life. But you so you hunt pheasants. Do you hunt grouse? You get into the prairie chickens as well. I put in I put in every year for the Minnesota prairie chickens. I haven't been drawn for a couple of years, but I think it was two, right? Yeah. I think it was three years ago the last time I got drawn and I actually actually got lucky and uh, Matt Brewer from Bemidji, kinda friends with him through social media, never met the guy in person, but he kinda gave me a pin of a general area to go check out. I had been watching some in a couple other spots. Well, you can shoot sharp tails south the highway too during that season too. You know, normally that's closed, but being your yeah. prairie chickens, you can shoot sharp tails during that time. So, well, I wasted all three of my free passes on sharp tails. I shot my first three sharp tails right away. I'm like, that was dumb. Now I got to make <laughs> sure that whatever gets up is a prairie chicken. You know, and so, so I got a little hesitant, and I let my first one get away. That probably would have been my my first bird, but took us another couple hours and we got our we got our two birds so it was pretty fun and say what's the difference between your prairie chicken and your sharp tail because we can't hunt them no season in north dakota and i don't live in minnesota anymore so um well they they don't make they make a little bit different sound when they get up the tail you know that's a that's a dead giveaway they're darker when you see them they're bigger normally unless they're a young one but when you've hunted them enough, you you can you can tell when they get up, which is okay. a chicken, the sharp tail. Which one's better eating? You know, I can't tell the difference. Yeah, I maybe maybe say the prairie chickens because the ones we normally shoot are they've normally been eating sunflowers. Find <laughs> 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 that's our our key. If we can find uh, some grassland that borders a uh, sunflower field down in South Dakota, that is uh, a place to focus on. Let's just say that. So when you're out in South Dakota, are you kind of getting a mixed bag too? Or are you getting prairie chickens and Sharpies there too? Yeah. 
Yeah, they'll be mixed in right together. Really? The same. They'll be in the same cubby sometime. Really? I'm pretty sure I ran across one uh, south of high, Highway 2 because you can't hunt them north of Highway 2 in Grand or in North Dakota. Oh, okay. But, yeah, north of Highway 2 is no-go. By Kelly Slough there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but south of Highway 2 is all good. But we were hunting, uh, and I'd shot my, I'd shot my limit, and I was on my way out, and Riggs went on point and walked up and kicked it out. Of, I didn't kick it out, of, but it walked up and it flushed and and noticed it was a lot bigger than the Sharpie Sharpie was, but I didn't get a good look at it because I was just kind of just getting the bird out of there for the dog point, and, and I was like, God, I think that was a chicken. But they have, they had uh, the wildlife biologist that works at UND on the on the yeah, podcast. I remember that they had it. They were doing a study out there, yeah. And there had some cross breeding going on. So yeah, hybrids. Yeah, so I was wondering. I was like, I think I didn't see. So also got yelled at for shooting Hungarians. So <laughs> so when you got called crazy. Yep. <laughs> yep. Got called crazy. After we move four coveys. <laughs> so, Joe, your nickname, your Instagram is the Upland Express. Did you come up with that because of the, the Upland Express van? Well, yes and no. I guess I was kind of like put a lot of miles on it. You're chasing birds around. So it's yeah. kind of like you're uh, on a on a quest or an upland express just cruising around the countryside hunting all the time but i don't know it's kind of catching something different that nobody else had right so what made you choose the van (laughs) you know i actually i actually had to think about that the other night i was i was talking to her i said you know and i'm pretty sure the guy that invited me uh to uh, south dakota to pheasant hunt the first time there uh mike connickson he used to have one of the uh these old Ram vans, like the old power wagon style van, the old boxy style. Yeah. And it was bright red and we called it the rooster. So that's <laughs> what we, we, we piled in there and that's what we drove to South Dakota and hunted out of the first two or three years, you know, and then once, uh, I think he brought his wife's minivan another time. God, you know, these vans are pretty cool to hunt out of. So I started looking around and I picked up a, but the used 2008 was my first one, stow and go and electric, everything, you know. And uh, I tell you what, there's a lot of room in there. You put those seats down. Right. I can put four Dakota 283 G3 kennels in there. And I had two of them when I had four dogs here a year and a half ago or so. The last time my old one was out with us, I had one of those Dakota 283 vaults that could put it across in between the sliders and I put two kennels up on top of there <laughs> and my coolers and my bags. You get pretty full in there, but everything, uh, so, inside, you know, the dogs uh, got heat, they got AC, you get way better gas mileage than a pickup will ever get. Yeah, you do. You do. The seats are way more comfortable than a, than a pickup, I, I believe, but you don't have the ground clearance. So you gotta, uh, you gotta learn to drive within your abilities and, like when you're going down the two tracks, I don't drive in the wheel tracks. One tire goes up in the middle, one yeah. tire is up in the end. You know, you straddle the rut. <laughs> and you got to have That's... good tires. 
really good tires help. That, yeah, that's true. Anyway, any vehicle when you're out hunting. But yeah, if anybody wants to check out your setup, you got to, I think you got quite a few pictures and videos on your. Yeah, I did. I say you, you pack a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, it's, it's uh, kind of getting to where I'm outgrowing it now. I'm getting too much stuff, too many dogs and too much stuff. So I had, uh, I upgraded to, uh, what's one of those things called the hitch receiver storage things. The rack on the back. Yep. 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 We had to use that for Montana because I wasn't able to get coolers in the back of my pickup with three kennels in the back of there. I test drove a Dodge Crew Cab 2021 with a six and a half foot box. I brought it home for the night and I put all my stuff in there. And I think I had less room in that truck than I did in my van. Because with the kennels in the box, you got to leave room for the dog to have a runway to get in and out of the gates. Right. You, know? you need the eight foot box. I just I just put them back against the doors or out the side door. So you open the door and there's dogs right there. You open the gate and they're out. Yeah, I say I like to just put them right side by side and like right in the front of the tailgate, and that works fine too. It's the same. Open the door and right. Open the topper and they're right out. I say, but you're telling me you're looking at like one of those was it a transit or van? Yeah. <laughs> I actually think I have I think I have two things ordered. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I think I have a Ford Transit Trail, which is their new lifted up bigger tires, kind of made for a little bit Overland. more overlanding capabilities. I think I have one of those on order with Park Rapids Ford. Oh, and my uncle. And, uh, oh, yeah, who's your uncle? My uncle's like the owner of the dealership. Oh, yeah, well, I probably didn't talk to him. But Jason remember. Jason Gilbert? No, I didn't talk no. to him. I can't remember the guy's name, though. I probably got him in the email somewhere. But they didn't even take a deposit. They said, we'll sell it regardless, he said, because they're in such high demand. You could only right. order it one day. It was a one-day order. Jeez. So we spec'd one out, and I think I have a Ram ProMaster on order with uh, Corwin in Fargo, <laughs> <laughs> which is only front-wheel drive, but it uh, that one's a little cheaper. Probably got a little bit more time on it to come with a new transmission this year and a whole bunch of different stuff up front on the front end. So I'm not sure, but that's my plan, some type of a cargo van that I can kind of outfit myself it's not going to be one of these fancy campers like you see on youtube and instagram it'll be uh more geared to a upland hunting guy keeping my dogs and my gear in there and if i want to flip up a cot and sleep in there and cook out of it for a couple nights i can oh that was my question i was like you're gonna put a cot in there too or yeah i'll probably get a cot i've been i've been borrowing my buddies from uh South Dakota, when we go to Pier, he brings his cots from elk camp. So I don't own a cot yet myself. That's why she got me the sleeping bag and the uh, and the air mattress. So I had something to use. When I say air mattress, it must be comfier, honestly. But if it's cold outside, that just comes right up through the. Yep, it does. The, I say, regardless, I have like a zero degree or is it negative 20 degree sleeping bag. And I was still sleeping that one night in Harvey. I was still sleeping with sweatpants on, socks, sweatshirt, and I was 
Mine was comfy, but yeah, you were snoring like, too. Yeah, well, that's a yeah. given. <laughs> and say that's like, the back end of an aluminum horse trailer cools off pretty quick at night too. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I bet I was sleeping in a sleeping bag with sweatpants and a sweatshirt and my socks on. It was it was crazy how fast, like even South Dakota, or not South Dakota, Montana, how fast it would get up to almost a hundred degrees during the day, and then it would be. 50 at night. I was like, oh, this right. is nice. But, yeah, I know we'd get in the sleeping bag, like shirts off, basically in our just our boxers or shorts. You wake up in the middle of the night and you're shivering kind of cold. And you're like, whew, I got to put some more clothes on. When Wyatt first talked to me about having you on and everything, I was looking into vans too. And I remember where I used to work when I was in high school, we had a GMC Astro van. It was like a 2004 all-wheel drive. Yeah, we used to st- when uh we had a little Kawasaki mule, we'd carry all of our stuff in for uh like lawn care, maintenance stuff. I worked for the school as like for summer rec type stuff, and uh that broke down one year, so we just put all the crap in the back of that Astro van. I'm like, so I got to think, I'm like, it'd be kind of nice to have an Astro van, it's all wheel drive, got a whole crap ton of room. So I started looking on uh, what is it, Edmunds.com, where it's like, is there any of these in your area? <laughs> uh, they're kind of Hard to come by with low miles, but I was like, hey, you never know if you're going to find one. Well, they don't make the, you know, Dodge quit making the Grand Caravan version. So now you got to buy some frilly Pacific car or whatever they're calling it now. And it's like, yeah. Oh. But this old girl's got 215 and change on it. You're probably you keep like a... 350 to 375,000 miles on in a minivan. And I've only been pulled out three times. That's pretty good. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, you keep track of your miles in a year for a hunting um, season anyway? A couple hunting seasons I did. I actually did a little deal on Facebook. I don't know if it was on Instagram, but it was on Facebook. It was guess, guess my mileage for the season. So I took a picture of my odometer on you know, September 1st, and then it was like the middle of January. So I gave the winner a whole bunch of like uh, wild game stuff that we made. It was kind of cool. There was a lot of people that were putting in guesses, and I, God, I can't remember what the mileage was. If it was up around thirteen or fifteen thousand miles that I put on just during hunting season, oh, we're close on this year. I kept track. I hit the track trip on the pickup at. Uh, it might have been a couple of days before. I said when I ran my oil change, like done right before I went out to Montana. But I was at twelve six. I was like, "Oof, that's it's a few miles." But when you go time. when you go out west, like four or five times, it adds up quick. That's not counting down to my parents too. I didn't stop the tracker there. Right. From September to end of January, it was about twelve six. Yeah, when I go to South Dakota, it's three hundred and forty some miles one way to right. the base of operations, and then it's you'll put on. You'll put on probably an average of 100 miles a day, depending on where you're hunting. Right. Especially if you wake up early and you start driving around, too. Before, that's the one, it was the one drawback to South Dakota. It was also nice at the same time. It was the 10 a.m. start. Yeah. I say it was nice for the fact that we could sit and have uh, coffee and breakfast. But also, we only got a few hours to hunt, too, because it got dark by 4 o'clock. Or five o'clock yeah it's uh 
10 o'clock comes early if you're with a crew of guys and you make it till two o'clock when the bar shuts down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, I don't do say that that was... much anymore, but in, in my younger days when I wasn't the house owner and the camp cook and the public land guide that I, you know, kind of am for some guys down there in the fall when they come down to see me. Now if it's 10, 11 o'clock, it's time to pack her in because you got to get up in the morning and take care of dogs and get breakfast going and pack a lunch cooler and get everybody going so you can get to your spot. Oh, you're better than us. You pack lunch. <laughs> We're uh, out in the middle of nowhere and there's not going to be anywhere to eat. So you got to have oh, something. We, we, we just usually don't even eat. All right, guys. Sorry we had a little bit of audio problems. So uh, we talked about vans, yo, and now we're kind of getting to, you're a, you're an Anukshuk guy. Are you on the website? I am not a certified reseller. Okay. Kind of, kind of just doing it on my own to, you know, get a good price on dog food and help out a few of my buddies here and there. But Thank you for doing that. <laughs> I yeah. say that's all, that's all I meant, Joe. Was, uh, so if anybody's in a Northwest Minnesota or Northeast North Dakota and they want to try Anukshuk dog food. He's the guy to call. He's usually coming through Grand Forks or going through Northeast North Dakota or somewhere. I don't even know how I came upon it. You know, you, you had that question on there and I'm like, God, I'm, I want to say it was an Instagram ad or something, but my, my six-year-old yellow lab, he thinks he's, he identifies as a German short hair. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and he's uh and I think he's part, uh, what do they call it, like a black-hearted dog because he'll run forever and unless you, you know, put the brakes on him. He's right. out there himself a lot, but the guy covers a lot of ground. And I couldn't keep any weight on him. You know, you go to South Dakota for 10 days after being in North Dakota for five days with only a couple of days off in between. And, and he looked like he was sick and, you know, starving when we got home. So I, I started buying it off of Chewy for a while just during hunting season to supplement and adding it to his used to feed taste of the wild from tractor supply there. It helped it, you know, he, he wasn't getting skinny and he was keeping weight on. And so then I started digging into it and realized they, uh, they make a pretty good product and how they make it, how they package it, all the benefits from, from the food itself and checked it out, started buying pallets. I think I'm on my fourth pallet probably in a little over a year, year and a half. So, how many customers do you have besides me? Probably six or eight people that I'm peddling food to. You know, I'm only making no. a couple bucks a bag. It's just enough to offset my handling of the food, you know? Right. Well, I appreciate it because it's, you look at Chewy and it's, well, Chewy, they, they did say it's the most expensive way to buy their food is through Chewy. Yeah. But like that, because I used started doing 32-32 for Riggs because he looked like, uh, he looked like he'd been out in the wandering around for a few weeks and hadn't eaten. So was yeah. showing most of his ribs and his and his hips were showing, hip bones were showing. And I was like, I he's like, I was like, he's not eating because when I go out hunting, I can't get him to eat for some reason. So yeah, I use the 3232 just for uh like midday snacks. I take a Ziploc bag of it along, you know, and give him a handful here and there because it's got such high fat content in them it can give them you know instant energy pretty quick right i say sometimes uh well my dogs for some reason don't like to eat so 
then sometimes they'll they won't touch their food that's in their kennel in the morning and then sometimes they'll be taking a midday snack with it especially the younger one he's all over the board i don't know when he's going to eat ever so yeah, <laughs> when out hunting i only feed once a day in the evening i've been doing that for years it, it works pretty good so they always just felt fed once in the morning and then once in the evening two cups I'm on the, uh, this winter, I switched them over here to the, uh, the Marine 16. I bought a half a pallet of that. You know, that's all yeah. the open-based protein. And their their coats are like super soft and just shiny. It's, you can tell with all that fish oil and the Omega stuff in there. Hmm. Even, my, even my old dog seems to be like a little bit more energetic and running around like she's, you know, not stiff and sore or whatever. I got no complaints, and everybody I've been giving it to said that their dogs just love it. Yeah, so yeah, we got put on. I got put onto it at uh, Pheasant Fest. I got a sample, a few sample bags, and were they at Pheasant Fest last year in Omaha? Yep, it was yep. a small. It was a smaller booth, but they didn't. It wasn't anybody from Anukshuk running it, but it was just a couple of like certified resellers. Because they're going to be were... in Minneapolis this time for the big show. So make sure you get your sample bags. Get, get yeah. one meal for get one meal for the dogs. Yeah. Those are nice. Uh, for, I keep them for myself for traveling. Every, <laughs> every pallet you order, they send you a box. I think it's twenty bags. Twenty seven oh, really? bags in a box. I give away a few here and there, but otherwise, I if I don't, I'm like, oh, these are nice for traveling. Just cut them open, dump them in the bowl. Right, because it's all one cup. So yeah, that's yeah. It is because we get well. Purina gives you like a was it Purina or Nutrisource that gave you just a shit pile? I think it was uh, Nutrisource. Yeah. Were you yeah. at Pheasant Fest last year in Omaha? No. No, twenty twenty was the last time I was there. Was that in Sioux Falls, Minneapolis? Minneapolis, right before COVID hit. I say, well, we were planning on being there, but now we're not going to be there next weekend, so. We got a bachelor party up on Lake of the Woods. We got to go to. Ah, well, I, I uh, made an investment, and I'm going down Thursday night, and I'm taking that canine trauma training. That would be a nice uh, class to be at, though. Actually, yeah, it was it was some money, but man, you got a lot of money in dogs too running around out the countryside, especially right. when you're hunting with a group of guys. You get eight, ten dogs out there. Right. Save a life if you need to, you know. Right, that's well. Michael's got his uh, gun dog kit, and I got my blood loss kit on me, my vest. So, do we know how to use most of the stuff in there? Probably not. But yeah, I've watched several YouTube videos on how to use a stapler. I've got two. I don't know if I can use it. So, hopefully, I, I go through that this uh, in that training. Right, I don't know if I can. It'd be tough. Well, like half the times I've had wounds on the dogs, it's like they went through barbed wire and I didn't even notice, and they hunted the whole field, and here they are coming back and they're bleeding pretty. De- they're not decent, but nice cut, and it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. You guys could get cut open. Well, actually, my oldest dog did. He got a nice gash. wasn't at uh, It was at boarding. Got into it with another dog, I guess, and had a nice five inch gash right along the ribs. Oof. And they and they just said they didn't notice the right way because he was still playing. Luckily, they I bought, covered everything. I bought some of that styptic uh, gauze 
for clotting. It's actually a pad, you know, instead of the powder. Yeah. You can just put the pad against the wound and get the bleeding to stop that way. I think I saw that. I think it was Anthony Farrow at Fetch and Feathers had that uh, on hmm. one of his Instagram stories one day or something. Hmm. Might have to look into that. He actually used it the other day. He cut his own finger. I think that was yesterday. Yesterday or the day before, and he was wrapping his own finger in that stuff. And then he super glued it closed. Yeah, it looked like a pretty decent cut, too. Yeah. So Well, we had to pull up my kit for your dog. Yeah, my youngest fall. one. Uh, yeah, my youngest some barbed wire. Yeah, my youngest one, he doesn't uh he doesn't uh he hasn't quite figured out that the barbed wire is not his friend yet. The best the best way I found to to train a dog to avoid a fence or respect a fence is get them near a electric fence. Yeah. <laughs> electric fences back home with low wires. It only takes yeah. one twice of running into one of those and they every time they'll come up to a fence, they'll just slow down and yeah, Riggs got one uh, last season. It was uh, during my COVID vacation. He went across the road, and all of a sudden he came screaming back, and I was like, "Oh shoot!" <laughs> he got he got zapped. He's pretty he's pretty cautious around fences, unless there's a rooster on it, then he runs through it. But I like to keep a vest on him too, like more so, especially when we're hunting pheasants. But also, we had so much snow, so I didn't even put a vest on my dog this year. Well, I bought a I bought a set of uh, Rex specs for my youngest one. It was so dry this year out there in the cattail pit in South Dakota, <laughs> just hamburger under her eyes, you know. Yeah. So we've been working on <clears throat> getting her used to them. I didn't do a very good job of uh, acclimating them to her at first. <laughs> Had it on her a few times in the house, and then we went to Fargo for, I don't know if it was, might have been Christmas. And I put them on her, and we went for a walk down a frozen gravel road, and she ground her face into the frozen gravel road trying to get <laughs> those goggles off. So that set of lenses is shot. <laughs> yes. Those rec specs aren't cheap either, are they? No. I don't know. They were 80, 80 bucks or something like that. But yeah, her face just got just torn up, so. Figured I'd give them a try. I say my problem was just uh, getting like seeds out of there. Just that eyelid <clears throat> during pheasanting season was bad. It was so dry, mm-hmm. and it was right around like sunflower harvest too, because everything was pushed back just a little bit later this year. Definitely some some eye wash is definitely a good thing to have in the kit, just to flush out the some saline wash yep. or whatever. It's to flush out the eyes after a day. I carry uh I carry some Even in a Ziploc bag in my in my vest. You can kind of use them to get in there and just touch the seeds too and and they'll stick to the Q tips. You can yeah. flick them out that way. Like if you're out in the field and you notice it, you take a break. I say it's hard to notice every once in a while cuz like they just keep going and then you kind of check them over afterwards and it's like okay, I don't really see any and then all of a sudden you pull it and then it's like oh crap, there's quite a few. <laughs> they just usually work their way out. But so, Joe, getting into at the end of our podcast, we have some questions for our guests. So, going into question one, your favorite upland bird to hunt? I'm going to say prairie grouse, so I can cover both the sharpie and the chicken because they're, to me, they're the most enjoyable birds to chase. Just from the you know the countryside, the scenery, the different places you can find them. 
Minnesota is different than North Dakota. It's different than Montana. It's different than South Dakota. Yeah. But it's not marching through a cattail slough or, you know. Yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot easier on the feet. Yep. And I'm finding a lot of different ways to cook them up that make them pretty tasty. I say they are pretty dang tasty once you figure out how to, because I tried cooking them when I first started hunting them because I didn't really hunt them when I lived up north, but I hunted rough grouse and they are up there with pheasant as we're being pretty good. Well, I started getting Sharpies around when I moved to, to North Dakota and uh, yeah, I was like, oh, this stuff is real tough. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, cook, I cooked it like like a pheasant and i was like oh no yeah found out you don't cook them like you cook a duck or a goose and it's a little bit like, to to get your mind around that but when yeah it, them, they're pretty good right i've done like uh i've done like a stroganoff with them and that's yeah. turned out pretty good just cook them like a cheap sirloin yeah i've canned them we've canned them before you know if we can some sharp tail that's what i did with some of my sage girls too as i canned it made like a broth out of like uh it had onions and garlic and mushrooms and canned it up and then you can throw it on yeah stroganoff or a stew whatever yeah it's going on to question two favorite gun you've ever had jeez that's bad i've had a lot of guns i'm a benelli freak but probably one of my favorite guns i ever had was the benelli vinci super sport i bought it on a Friday in Grand Forks at a Shields, and we had a registered sporting play shoot here in Thief River. Never fired around until I got on the course. I shot a 93 out of 100. Jeez. Totally annihilated everybody that was there. <laughs> <laughs> and then I traded it off, and I got a Cordoba, which I liked quite a bit. Then I traded that off. And right now I'm running the Ethos line. That's, that looks like a pretty nice gun. They are, but I wish they had that best treatment on them because you really got to take care of them or they'll uh, they'll corrode. Oh, really? Yeah. Those cryo barrels, I don't know what it is in that process, but if they don't have that best coating on, they'll just a little bit of moisture and they'll start turning orange. Hmm. You'd think they were, because they're a couple thousand dollar shotgun, you'd think they'd have something. Yeah. I got I got a pretty good in with uh, a guy in Devil's Lake at Terrell's center over there that's where i buy all my uh my guns over there okay and no no over-unders for you or i have uh i have inherited a few side-by-sides i have two 16 gauge side-by-sides right now no over-unders i think that's my gun for this year i'm gonna get a 28 gauge side-by-side i'm gonna check out a cz 410 that same thing that uh old Tyler swings over there because I think him and I shoot a lot alike, just instinctive and yeah. besides the guns that we shoot. I got to shoot a long gun. I got to have a, I put, I lengthen out the stocks on all mine with the longer butt pads. But yeah, I want to try one of those out in a 410. Uh, so I was shooting, I have a, my first gun that I had was a 410 Stevens side by side. I haven't taken it out yet for uh anything up on besides visions i guess but so i just got it back up here actually from a parent's house i love i love my 28 gauge that's my most favorite current gun to carry is my 28 gauge is that your ethos too or yeah yes 
And so That's you know, I start the season out in Montana. I don't shoot anything but my 28 gauge, except for one day I shoot the guy that used to hunt with us. I have his 16 gauge. Okay. Shoot that one day every trip. But then I'll go to my 20 gauge when we hit North Dakota and I'll shoot my 20 gauge for a couple trips and I'll migrate up to my 12. You got to give them all, you got to give them all some love. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's moving nice. into question three here. Uh, what's your favorite memory from the 2022 to 23 season? Well, that's, that's a pretty easy one. <clears throat> so, I mentioned I, I inherited some guns. I had an old, I don't know, it's probably World War II vintage. I don't even know what the brand is. You can't hardly read anything on it. But it's a 16-gauge side-by-side double trigger that was my one grandfather's gun that I was given here within the last couple of years. So I took that with a box of shells that my dad figured was somewhere between 40 and 50 years old or the old paper hulls. Oh, geez. Never, never fired it, loaded the thing up, and I went for a walk back, in, back home there by my parents. And I had an opportunity at some puns in the brush, never fired a shot. Had some sharp tails go wild on me. Never got a shot. I walked for like an hour and a half. I'm like, God, it's not going to happen. And I made one little hook. I'm like, I want to go check this little corner out. And by God, my dogs put up a rooster and I shoulder that gun. I pulled the trigger. Down it went. Nice. Amazing. Nice. <laughs> I think I remember seeing that post that she had on. Yeah, that was pretty I was cool. Like, I was like, geez, the paper holes. Like, think after that long they'd just go bad yeah i was i was expecting a poof and some bb's to roll out the end of the barrel or something <laughs> yeah i took it for another walk after that on a, some of my uncle's property in a cattail slough and if i would have remembered it had two triggers i would have had a double because i dumped the first <laughs> one i swung on the second and i pulled i'm like oh dang bad shell and then i'm like oh two triggers <laughs> go from an auto to a double trigger doesn't uh, transition too good so question four favorite dog breed well just because i have them it's probably i gotta say labs but i mean i hunt with Brittany's, i hunt with setters i hunt with german short hairs i've hunted with bichelas they're all good but to me it's right now the lab has been the most universal tool in my uh in my uh in my box i guess for the bird hunting that i do any different dogs on the horizon for you then or well i do have my name on a litter of some poodle pointers here this spring mm -hmm. i actually took my name off a litter up in calgary alberta that i would have had to pick up next week i think if i would have stayed with with that one but yeah i'm i'm thinking uh gonna make a venture into the pointing world here nice I've heard good things about the poodle pointers. I'm trying. I, I laid out some pretty specific requirements, though. I'm not much into having to spend an evening of cleaning out cockleburs, so I want a, a slick coated one, you know, not the big yeah. ones. I don't mind the furnishings on the face. I think that's kind of cool, but I just don't like the big heavy coats. Yeah, Michael has to deal with that all the time. Yeah, I got to pick cockleburs out quite often. Uh, so speaking of... uh horizon on dogs here our final question that we have for you is what else is on the horizon for you in 2023 well we already talked about pheasant fast we're gonna make a make a trip down there and see what's new and exciting see what we can learn at pheasant fast um the new pup is supposed to be 
somewhere probably in June, I believe. We got the van project, and if I can put that together before September, I've got a cousin that's getting married out in Washington State. Oh, jeez. I'm thinking I could make a road trip out of this deal and maybe hit yeah. up some people along the way, like Nate Aiki or somebody, and find some quail and maybe some chucker or something along the way, you know, something different. Yeah. Gross. Yeah, hit Tyler up. He's got all, he did the same thing, didn't he? Yeah, he came through that neck of the woods. He's probably got some information to us. So, let's say any new besides that, any new places in the Midwest you plan on going this next year? I'd kind of like to go back to Wyoming and I'd like to get my feet wet with Chucker over there because he can do it at a little less aggressive uh, terrain, I, I guess, as a way to put it. And maybe some blue dusky grouse. I should have did that when I was there chasing the sage grouse the last time, but I would have had to drive a couple hours out of my way and didn't know that area real good, didn't do much research. So I kind of abandoned ship and came home early. But yeah, I said, I want to get to Kansas this year and cross Bob White Quail off the list. Yeah, it's, that's on my list too, but I really got an itch to go see these Merns quail now after watching Tyler and two of these other guys go down to Arizona. I think that'd be a lot like Jason Huns in Montana. Right. right. That's why I want to do uh, Bob White's because I feel like I wouldn't have to drive two days to get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's still a full day's worth of driving just to get to Kansas from even where I'm at. Well, not that you and I are very far apart, Joe. <laughs> no, we're not. I'm, I'm, I'm just a few hours, just an hour west. But so I have one question that I blanked when I made the outline for the show. Uh oh. And I have it here. So I'm putting you on the spot. What are five things that you got to have in the van? Like must bring besides your dog and your gun. Well, I got to have my my Dakota 283 uh, water jug for the dogs. I got to have uh, got to have a cooler. Man, you're really making me think. There's a lot of stuff. Now I have an actual checklist so I don't forget all this stuff. <laughs> and now, I, and now, I, I can't, now I can't think of five things to put in my vest. Mm. The dog first aid kits are in there. They're in my pouch and my and my vehicle kit. I got two of them still. Peace. Yeah, I'm sorry. I put you on the spot. I, I meant but to put it, it in I'm there. The Probably can't forget your pike vest. My pike vest. That's kind of a given. I'm kind of a pike junkie. Kind of scared to go back to Pheasant Fest because that's how I got hooked up with him. It started with a belt and then a vest. And I don't even know how many pieces of white clothing I own now, but that stuff's pretty awesome. I say, and your is it your girlfriend has the has the final rise? Know. Yeah, we each, we each bought a final rise uh, sidekick system. I love that for Montana when it's hot out and sharpies aren't as big as pheasants. You know, it's a lot lighter and a lot cooler. Right. He makes a hell of a product. It's probably a good thing that Pike uh, had his out before uh, <laughs> finalizer. I probably would have ended up with one of Matt's big best too. I uh, say so you're in for a, you got so much gear there too. You're gonna have all what? Well, you have four of the big best companies: Chief, Hunt Ready, Finalize, and Pike are all there. Yeah, Matt sent me a, a vest that last summer. He sent me one of his vests to try out at home for a while. They're pretty nice. He's got a, lot of, got a lot of things. I actually made a, 
a lumbar pad that for my pipe vest. I know a lady that sews here that used to work at Articat, and I kind of copied his lumbar pad and put it in my pipe vest. And I wore that this year. Kind of made a pretty good improvement on. Nice. I tried to sell it to Brent, but he wasn't uh, he wasn't willing to buy it from me. <laughs> <laughs> well, White, you got any more questions? I don't. I do Joey, not. got any for us? That one, one question I had is how did you guys decide that you wanted to do a podcast? I think Michael Michael was listening. I'd actually never really listened to any podcasts before. Uh, I listened to a few here and there before like 2021. But he, well, he drives for work. And so he listens to podcasts all the time. And he's like, we should start one. I was like, I was like, I was like, well, you can. And I'll just, I'll like come on the show and maybe talk, be a guest star, guest show, guest every once in a while. He's like, no, you got to do it. And I was like, all right. And so last year we kind of got into it and we, we had some troubles right away. (laughs) Our first couple episodes. Yeah, no, I don't. I wouldn't listen to <laughs> learning how to do the audio, learning how to edit, learning how to talk. Yeah, <laughs> well, I struggled a little bit right away, and then got into the swing, and then summer work hit. Summer work hit. And now we gotta got to get ma- back into the swing. Summer work, married. wedding, kid, all that kind of hit season. real quick. Hunting season, so we got to get back in the swing of things again. It kind of seems to be cyclic with a lot of them. I know I, I just listened to a brand new one from her Upland today on the way home from work. They were talking about pheasant press previews and stuff. So trying to get like, well, on that. I think I saw like four different people interviewed the same guy. Yep. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, I think I listened to that one last week with somebody else. And now there's like three more this week with Travis person. A couple, two of them, two, three of them. He was on with Ron, Ronnie Bain there. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I listened. To, I think that's the one I listened to. And then, yeah, they just all been coming out. But uh, if anybody gets a chance to go to Pheasant Fest, it's a pretty good experience. Oh, it's awesome. It's an it's, awesome place to go. Yeah. All like minded folks. And it's uh, nice to have those conversations. You, Realize how quick a day passes when you're there. You get there pretty early in the morning. All of a sudden, it's like six o'clock on Saturday. And you're like, "Geez, I just been here for eight hours, walking around in circles." Yeah, listen to seminars. And... Yeah, cooking seminars and dog seminars, and public land stuff. It's all good information, right? And then all the booths that they have. There's like what three hundred booths there. Yeah, and all the guns like that. That doesn't get you. <laughs> You gotta stop and hold every one. Make sure it fits. I might get this one. Oh, I might get this one. You didn't get any of them. <laughs> no, I didn't get any of them. I bought a used one from Shields. And hell, I love that yeah. gun. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have to try and hook up this fall in either North Dakota swing or maybe Montana or South Dakota, South whatever. Dakota. Right. Michael's still got a week left in South Dakota. He's got to use next year. Darn right. Plan on using right. it too. I can let that go to waste. I gotta buy a new one, so. <laughs> I'm on back-to-back weekends, so back-to-back five-day periods. And I'm thinking if I go uh, earlier this year, before the snow, less chance getting stuck. So you can do a little <laughs> more hunting. Unless <laughs> it rains. Unless it rains. Maybe they'll do that this year. It's a good time down there in the middle of November. 
I usually go before Thanksgiving, the weekend before. How's the deer hunting around there? Well, that sometimes plays into our favor because we sometimes end up hooking up with a couple locals and we do some pushing deer. of deer drives for them, you know. They yeah. pull, we push, we shoot the pheasants, they shoot the deer when they run off the ends. Yeah, sometimes, like, I've had good luck uh, in western North Dakota during deer season, too. I say because most of the people don't, uh, it feels like a lot of people just, like, drive around until they see something, and then they make a, they're not like the people in Minnesota where you get out there an hour before sunset, and you're there all day, or you're out by 10, 11 o'clock, and come back in the afternoon, but, and yeah. sit. So, I think being a upland hunter even in north dakota has its i think depending where you're at people don't really care they're like oh they're walking out and have to do any work so right but if somebody was by me on the monday of the second week of deer hunting they would have had a shot at a beautiful 12-pointer <laughs> <laughs> they got up and it sat and stared right at me in the cattails and i was like geez it's like a 40-yard shot for me right now he just sat there and sat there, and then he finally took off as I started walking closer and closer. But but he sat there right in the wide open where there was like they cut, they cut around the, they mowed the grass around the cattails, and he just sat there. So somebody would have an easy shot on Tobuk land on a Monday, but nobody was there. Well, Joe, it's been great having you on, and yeah, thanks for having me. It's been kind of fun. Nice visiting with you, and well. Catch you guys again on another episode of the Up on No Man's Podcast. Yeah, but before we go, sorry about this. Before we go, you got to plug your info here. If you want to follow Joe on Instagram, go search up his handle. It's Upland Express, and it's Express with just an X to start out. Right, so go check him out. Like we said, he's got all the updates and kind of videos and stuff on his van. It's kind of really cool. And this summer, if you do get, when you get one of the new vans, I'm sure you'll be posting all the updates about all the stuff you're doing with that, huh? Definitely. And a new puppy. And a new puppy. So you can It'll stay up to all, date with Joe. <laughs> all kinds of new stuff. Yeah, and don't forget to check us out. It's uh, at the Upland Nomads podcast or Upland underscore Nomads underscore podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you on the next one. <laughs> <laughs>